Welcome to Learning Minnesota, connecting people one conversation at a time. Today's guest is Brady Baxter, instructional coach for Detroit Lakes Public Schools. And our topic today is distance learning technology tools and strategies for teachers. Brady, you know what? Let's talk. But before okay. we do, can I ask you to share a little bit about your story, whether it be professional, personal, or a little bit of both? Sure, sure. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, so I uh, have been uh, a technology uh, aficionado for a long time. I just, I love everything technology. Been teaching now for 10 years, uh, but this year I've had the opportunity to uh, accept this new position as an instructional technology coach, and I'm, I'm loving my job. Every day is a new challenge, um, and it's just, it's exhilarating for a guy like me who loves uh, technology to start. Um, I got my, uh, uh, you know, my degree in teaching from um, uh, Moorhead, uh, or MSUM, I should say. Uh, now, I'm a social studies guy, so I did history and geography, all those things before the technology. Um, got my master's degree from UND in instructional design and technology. And then finally, I got my administrative degree uh, back at Moorhead State again. Uh, just finished that. So you could say one of my, um, my uh, pastimes is being a professional student. And I'm glad um, that I'm done <laughs> with that. Um, other than that, though, I, I live with my wife and some uh, and a couple furry friends in, in Holly and teaching or I'm an instructional coach here in DL. Uh, I do uh, fishing guiding during the summer. So that's kind of my uh, my moonlighting gig there or my summertime gig and keeps me busy. Thank you. I think it's I kind of get a kick out of um, the the moonlighting piece because one of the one of the big things that we talked about as we were coming up with the idea of what Learning Minnesota is and what it can offer is how many people who are educators have second or moonlighting gigs, something else to to you know to bring in. But um, and and so it's it's really amazing to see that being in education. A lot of times we look, the world looks at education as a completely separate entity, like it's completely separate from the business world and whatnot, but by having so many educators, maybe being forced to finding those, those moonlighting or those side gigs, we actually are crossing over and between the educational and the business world, which like you said, the professional student piece, it, it allows that lifelong learning to be even more uh, powerful and applicable because we're getting experience from both sides, you know, of the realm. Absolutely. And that's, I've thought that before too. So we were on the same wavelength there. Um, you know, it, it does give me uh, a different perspective. Oftentimes that perspective is one that the parents will hold um, when I'm working with parents here at the, at the district. So yeah, um, I've, I've always kind of brought in the skills that I've uh, cultivated in the private sector and seeing how I can use them uh, in here in the public sector and it works pretty well. Yeah, so I have a question before we dive into the actual outline um, and this is just off the fly based on what you're sharing with me. Um, so you are obviously very passionate about uh, embedding and utilizing tech technology and tech tools and it sounds like this is your first year in this particular position or this particular role with at Detroit Lakes um, Public Schools. So are you noticing that, I mean, maybe beforehand, so I've had conversations with people who, um, you know, talk about technology integration and how to most effectively utilize tech, but that was when we were in person. So it was like this different argument, so to speak, for, you know, like how to embed these learning experiences when you have your kids in front of you, mm -hmm. whereas in now there are so many school districts that are either in hybrid or moving to the full like distance learning format do you find that the argument is easier or or the same like what are your thoughts on that sure sure uh it, it's not it used to be oh that'd be cool but now it's like oh i need that to survive um, so that's the big difference now is that uh, you're get, you know, I get more buy-in from the people that I, you know, if I'm in a position where I'm trying to convince somebody to use thing or, or something like that, or show um, how so, uh, a certain tool can help that teacher, um, I, I, they're more receptive now, I, I would say. <laughs> um, but a big, big uh, change that I've seen is that there's been um, a lot to do with hardware. Um, you know, the dongle that you might need to project um, up on the projector in the room to the kids that are in the room, maybe, you know, the A kids or the B kids, whichever ones are in the room, and then the ones that are at home, 
people being able to see that clearly at the same time. Uh, it sounds like a simple thing, but man, oh man, it takes a few different uh, dongles and wires to get that to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, my phone's ringing in the background here. I apologize. No, no problem. You know, um, by sharing that though, that's something that I guess I never really would have thought about. And I consider myself, I'm, I'm like, I nerd out on bells and whistles and all things new in technology. And oftentimes I think that also comes back to burn me a little bit when I want to jump on the train, you know, before thinking about how to best use them. But that is so true that right now, or this, this experience um, during the pandemic, it has been that twofold where it's not only the tools that I'm using, but that's the same, like this morning I um, visited with a kindergarten classroom and I wanted to show some breathing techniques for social emotional learning and that sort of a thing. And then I thought, okay, I need to screen share, but then yeah. I need to do something else. And so I, I, that was one, you just made me have one of those aha moments where it's like, okay, what other hardware or systems or all of those things are, are needed. And now even further now I'm thinking for aha, what an incredible learning curve for people because it's like tools and how you know what do I get in order to use this and make make my teaching effective yeah yeah um, teachers teachers are being pushed and support staff are being pushed outside their comfort level with this and that's why you know we're fortunate enough to you know as a district to have a position like mine where a guy that can go around and, and uh, you know help people hook things up and make sure that they're working in the way that the teacher needs it to work um, and you know you got to kind of understand like okay what tools do we already have in the classroom and then you know what other tools can we afford to supplement it, it yeah it's been a it's been it's a, a learning curve for me to figure out how to do this best for teachers, but man, they're the ones that um, are kicking some butt. They're learning stuff at uh, the fastest speed possible, and they're doing a great job. I've also seen um, you know, there's all these Facebook groups and, and social media groups that really have started around the idea of distance learning and supporting one another with ideas and ways to, um, you know, like take attendance or to build relationships with your kids online and that sort of a thing. And somebody, some poor soul posted on one of the Facebook groups, what kind of uh, name the top um, four um, topics of PD that you, if you could choose right now, and just the onslaught and slew of comments after saying nothing, like every moment of our day is PD because we're constantly yeah. learning and modifying and tweaking and trying and, you know, and design thinking sort of a thing. Yeah. So I got a kick out of that. Cause I thought that's, that's a really great question. Professional development as it, as it stood, was like this, okay, you have to, you have to get these required relicensure or you have to obtain, and here's a day for you to do that. But right now, everybody is constantly learning and trying and growing. And so, it, I mean, maybe that's a way to rewrite the idea of professional learning in itself. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, it, uh, it kind of comes down to a lot of times the people that are, are sending me the emails and asking me for help, you know, those are the ones that I know they need some help and they've reached out, I'm gonna help them first. Um, and a lot of times there's there's a lot of great teachers out there that are able to Google things themselves and, um, you know, make a purchase either through the, the district or with their own money uh, to buy the things they need and that they know they need. And those people, yeah, they don't necessarily need professional development when it comes to yeah. technology. In fact, it would it probably become a hindrance to them because they would be annoyed. Uh, so there's such a wide spectrum of need, um, you know, amongst all the staff at our school. And again, you know, I'm learning ways to reach all of them and I've had some successes with it, but I've also, uh, I've been learning <laughs> as I go to. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so diving in and, and I talked about it, that building the relationships and that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of great ideas that are out there, but the, I had the privilege of having a conversation with Mr. Keith Eckhoff, who is also an instructional coach uh, for Detroit Lakes Public Schools on student engagement. And it really all, all boils down to the ownness of, uh, and the um, sense of belonging that comes with that classroom where you have the ability in person to be able to build those relationships and, and to be able to read and, and communicate with each other, even through body language and, and nonverbal non um, uh, capacities. But now with distance learning, how do you do that? So could you share, I mean, really as starters, what are some of the big pieces that you found are great ways to be able to connect with students 
um, and using tech tools. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, the big, the big part is, um, you know, them seeing your face, hearing your voice as a teacher, it's, it's really important. And that's why we're doing these, these, uh, these touch base uh, videos or, um, you know, Google meets or zoom meetings that teachers are doing. Um, but then also, you know, that the daily or every other day touching base in every particular class, it's extremely important because we do not have that right now. We all know that. Um, now to the, you know, it's easy enough to record maybe audio or something like that, or talk to kids, uh, you know, in a meeting, but um, what I found to do with, with cultivating relationships is to get a little more personal. And a way that you can do that, one way that I've really been pushing out to, to my staff members here uh, is to use Flipgrid to do that. So Flipgrid is a, a technology, it's a, it's a website made by Microsoft and um, they, it's also an app on the phone. Um, what you can do is you can record um, a video as a teacher um, that you know, asks kids to, to do something, to record their own video on a topic. Um, and then you just let the, cre uh, let the creative side of the kids shine. You know, you kind of sit back and watch. Um, you can, you know, you, you can literally have them do anything. You can request that they talk about, um, you know, what's their, uh, do they have any pets at home? Okay. How did they choose the name of the animal or something fun like that? Um, I did, uh, I did a really fun one, a lip sync your favorite song. Uh, you know, at the beginning of COVID, you know, I said, everybody's sitting at home, listening to tunes. I want to know what's your favorite song. And, um, you know, if you want to lip sync it, maybe you can <laughs> give me a hint. And I got some kids that did lip sync. And now, um, as a teacher, you know, I was able to really um, uh, uh, kind of um, really connect with them because I did the lip syncing first. I was vulnerable and I looked silly. Um, so, uh, you know, that really helped. And that's what Flipgrid can do. It can help the teacher be vulnerable and a little silly if they want. And then the kids, uh, you know, they are, are given the okay to do the same thing. Um, so I think that it, nobody's going to learn if, if we're not having fun. Um, so I think that is number one. Before we talk about standards, um, assessment, stuff like that, we need to make sure that people are paying attention, the kids are paying attention. One way to do that is to uh, cultivate these relationships using Flipgrid or, or something else. I'm going to, so I'm going to um, both piggyback and maybe draw out a couple of the things uh, that you just talked about. So Flipgrid, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, are they Minnesota-based? They I were feel, yeah, they okay. Are. I feel like they had they were centralized, and their start was um, in the Twin Cities metro right. area. So, mm -hmm. and and I used so when I did some adjuncting, I used Flipgrid for to get to know the the students in the teacher development uh, program at the university that I was adjuncting, and I I love I adore Flipgrid, and I think it's user friendly. It's very simple to use. So even for those teachers who are kind of like worried or who don't have a lot of experience and right now they're already just trying to survive with learning some of the like zoom tools or google meets or whatever it is to be able to reach their students in a distance learning um, format flipgrid is easy enough where it's not something that you have to understand how to code or anything it's mm -hmm. you you really just set up a topic i yep. love the lip syncing an idea and i really love that you said uh, that you started it <laughs> you started it but I think when, you know, when you say that you have to make learning fun, there's a lot of educators who might balk at that and say, I'm yep. not going to put on an entertainment or a show for yep. my kids. They should just that sort of a thing. And I think, I mean, there's validity in that. I believe, of course, you are not supposed to be an entertainer. However, the learning happens not only when you have that relationship, but when you can have that fun or it can be light. And, and especially in a time like this, if you approach everything in such a serious manner or thinking it's gotta be just in this way, it's not gonna be as effective as it is if you allow yourself some um, time and some ways to be able to just put yourself out there. So I love that you started it. Um, yeah. I would have loved to, to see it and then maybe even play a part in it. Uh, so I have a question for you then with Flipgrid, because another thing, like I said, I, I adore that tool. I think there are some people who um, might use the excuse that others don't like to record themselves. And I, sure. I um, noticed this even when we were in person talking about recording, like recording yourself as a teacher to watch where you move in the room or who you call on or, you know, that sort of like what qu types of questions you use. The idea of recording oneself is, is so scary. 
And so like, what might you say to that? I mean, I think you alluded a little bit to it by allow yourself to be vulnerable, but what, what other impacts, positive impacts does using these tools, the recording tools have? Well, you know, one, um, if I, you know, and this is as an adult, if I see a teacher there uh, that maybe isn't comfortable with doing something like this, and then they do it, they're being vulnerable. So I'm, I, me personally, I'm going to buy into what they're doing already because I know that they're putting themselves out there. Uh, so that's kind of one aspect of it, of it too. Um, you know, the cool thing about Flipgrid is that um, it, let's say if a teacher or a student, they don't want to record an actual video, let's say it's the video thing that's bugging them and maybe their voice would be okay. You can record just your voice um, in those situations. So um, that's another opportunity there. And even if you didn't want to do that, you could upload a Google doc that says you could type something. So that's one really cool thing about, um, you know, when it comes to uh, Flipgrid, all the different ways that both the teachers and the kids can uh, respond to things like that. Um, you know, I'm a thespian and, uh, and a, a rock and roller. I was in a couple bands and stuff like that. So like for me, it, it, you know, being on the stage was easy for me to record these things. Um, they're, they're pretty easy. Um, you know, you can't just magically, uh, you know, give that ability to all teachers. Um, you know, one little silly thing that I've kind of found that works pretty well, and this comes from my performance days, um, one way to kind of forget all other things is to just stare into the camera into the camera that you have. Don't look at your other, your screen or around the room, stare into the camera. And if nothing else, zone out as you talk, pretend like you're talking to somebody's eyes. Um, for whatever reason, that tends to calm people down uh, and they don't think of doing it. So there's my tip for you. <laughs> I love that. And I love where you're coming. I was actually just thinking when I talk to you right now, I look right at the camera and I forget that, you, that you're there and listening. Yep. Like I actually, yep. So that, that exactly, that is such a great idea to use like a little tip to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, yeah. I'll also add if Flipgrid hasn't changed since I used it last, that uh, a lot of times people think with technology, if you press the wrong button, it's like the end of the world. Whereas in Flip with Flipgrid, if you record and you just don't like it or you want to rephrase it, or there was a hiccup that you made that you, you know, want to make sure you try it again, you don't, you can do that. And students can do that. It's like, it's, yes. it's like you can make it until the point where you feel comfortable with it. Maybe not perfect, but it's, it's not something where if you make a mistake, it's going to be the end of the world or the opportunity to use that tool ever again. So true. Even in Hollywood, they don't get it on the first take, most of them, you know, so um, absolutely something to think about. I always take a few, I'm a perfectionist, so <laughs> my wife sometimes can in the background like, you just recorded this three times. I'm like, I've got to get it perfect, you know? So yeah, absolutely do that. And then that takes away all that stress too. You don't need to make it perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> so using Flipgrid then is a really great way to start. Um, and, and maybe this is to be done in an asynchronous, asynchronous manner where you can use your Google Meets, your Live, your Zooms to be able to connect with the kids, the students that you serve, maybe even the colleagues if you're working as um, in that capacity. Or, and then you could use Flipgrid in a way to be able to see those videos at a different time. So it's really like you're actually cultivating that community building or that relationship building, but you don't have to be held to this exactly from 10 to 10.30 time or whatever it might be. This is a tool that is flexible. And so it allows your schedule to be flexible as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would recommend it primarily as an asynchronous tool, although it could be um, used synchronously. You could record, you know, the prompt the night before, for example, and then during class, which is hour long, give them five minutes, tell them go to Flipgrid and you know, mute your Google Meet mic and do the video. You could do it either way, uh, for sure. Um, and, you know, and I was going to say well, that kind of would work better. You know, some students maybe are better doing something in the moment, an assessment in the moment. Some, you know, the less stress of of doing it asynchronously, that they're going to shine. So, the, you know, I would I would charge teachers that think about that. Maybe some assessments you're doing should be synchronous. Maybe some should not, um, as, as well as other lessons, just to make you know we have a unique opportunity to be able to to reach those kids that in the classroom. We might not have been able to, but if they're sitting at home, you know, where they feel safe, you might be able to reach them pretty well and they might be able to perform even better than they would, you know, at school. I had a student that was, um, he was quiet in school and he missed a lot of school. Um, I was a, an alternative teacher for eight years and this is over at the ALC where I taught and um, he was struggling. And when COVID times came, you had a lot of people that were saying that I'm struggling right now. A lot of kids saying I'm struggling right now, not being with my friends, this and that. Well, it was the opposite story for this kid. 
he came out and he shined. Uh, it was incredible. He was the first one to record the Flipgrid video every time, and he was silly in the videos. And he even knew. And um, I asked, you know, the people in my, the kids in my advisory, is it okay if I, if you know, other kids can see your videos? And he he said yes and everything. But he was still silly in the videos, and he just he bloomed. Um, and that was incredible to see. And that is something that we should take advantage of as teachers um, in distance learning. I love that you said that because I, I don't, for those of you who are watching this, you saw me like, oh, yes, because I was thinking the same thing. For some of the, our kids, our students who in person um, become super uncomfortable or maybe even have some a bit of anxiety when they're being asked to do something like that, when they are asked and are given the freedom to choose maybe in, in what way they utilize for Flipgrid, like you said, it could be done in a video recording or just audio, or, but they can also find the location in their home. And they can and they can really take it and run with it. And I think that speaks so powerfully to the way that we allow personalized learning or personalization to happen, where it gives them so much power in choosing the what, when, how, that sort of a thing. Um, so you also have listed Loom. Can you tell a little bit about that tool? Because yeah, yeah. interestingly enough, I know Flipgrid. I'm not as familiar with Loom. All right. So I got one for you here, yeah. huh? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so Loom is one that I came across um, th that I started kind of pushing out this year and talking about. It was a teacher here in Detroit Lakes who was using it last year that told me about it. So it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward and simple software. It's video recording software. So you can use it to record like a screen recording um, of a lesson or something like that or how to do something. Or you can use just the, you can utilize the camera on your computer and do just like a video kind of like, you know, you and I are doing right now, like a live mm -hmm. video like that. Um, now, where, where it's different is this. Um, it's made for people to respond to the video, kind of like Flipgrid. Um, they can respond with emojis. Um, they can respond with um, a text response or a video response. And then what you do is um, you just send the loom out to the students and then boom, immediately they can uh, respond. Um, so the reason why it's, a, you know, why I would also talk about this in addition to Flipgrid, they sound very similar, but um, there's an argument you could make that Loom is going to be quicker and easier to use um, and faster um, uh, to use. So it's uh, kind of like the fast food version of Flipgrid a little bit when it comes to that. Um, but now at, at another thing too that's really uh, unique about it um, is that you can add what's called a call to action button to your video. So um, most of us that have seen a YouTube video and then something comes up on there and you know you can click on it and it'll open up like the website to that product you're, you're watching or something, maybe it's a commercial or, or whatever. Um, that's what, uh, it, what Loom has. The call to action button is you can insert a website link into there or a link to a Google Doc or something like that. And um, that can be on the screen and students can click on that in addition to watching your video. Um, so you could have a video about, hey, don't forget to go uh, sign up for this and that. Here's the link, and the link's going to show up in the call to action. Um, or you can use the first way that I told you about where teacher talks about a subject. You could do that lip syncing idea, something like that, and then students, boom, could respond like that um, using Loom themselves. Awesome. I, I figured or not figured, but based on what I had seen um, when people commented that Loom is a good t tool to use for certain things, it, it made me perceive it to be more just a video recording piece, but the fact that students can engage and interact with it. And then it sounds a little bit too, like maybe not necessarily Edpuzzle, but where there's that opportunity to take what would be just this layer of recording, but to plug in an, an additional layer where students can go out to a, um, a, an outside URL or link as well while the video is, is playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's that cool. just made me think you could you could put a Google form quiz in there, insert it, and then in that way, it's kind of just like Edpuzzle. Um, huh, there we go. We just came yes. up with a new idea. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think actually for those of you who are visiting or visiting, for those of you who are listening and or watching, this is a really great opportunity to be able to pause and process um, on how to use, how you could use Loom or Flipgrid or both really to be able to allow students to um, share something, whether it be something silly that they can have fun with and be vulnerable, but you know that learning is going to happen in there because you are going to be learning more about your students and what they, what they share with you and, and give back to you. Um, but also how to maybe set up a Loom uh, recording that will allow the students to be able to interact and engage with it as well. When we come back, we are going to talk about how to take your curriculum and how to convert it using tech tools in the most effective manner. We'll be back soon.
are you doing? Good. How's it going for you? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. As you can tell, like I'm just, I nerd out. I love, love um, just thinking about how tech can be used. And right now I know it's so necessary. So it's kind of like we're done arguing about the use and how we need to embed it. Um, right. Now it's, I think, more about choosing the right one because there's so many of them. Yes. Um, so that yes. might be something that I hit on down the road, down the road in this conversation is talking about just how we have that plethora of tools, the list of tools and the things that you can um, see that are out there and it might be even overwhelming, but then how do you kind of scale it down and figure out what's the right one? Yes. And I've got the strategies for that. I talk about that a lot. So yep. Bring that one up. We could have a good little conversation on that. Cool. All <laughs> right. I'm going to move into the next one here. Good. Welcome back to Learning Minnesota, conversation with Brady Baxter, um, instructional coach for Detroit Lakes Public Schools, talking about utilizing tech tools right now for distance learning. So in the first segment, we talked about uh, tech tools to be able to, or to utilize, to be able to build student relationships. And we actually, I don't want to say we went on a tangent, but we identified a couple of other uses of those <laughs> tech tools um, as well. So when on, for this particular um, topic, we're going to talk about how to convert curriculum and put it into a digital format. Um, and so I'm going to just start real quick because I, I want you to be able to share all of the amazing things that I should be doing. Um, here, I, here I sit thinking about how am I going to move my social studies, ELA, science book where I open it up and I look in my manual and it says, here's the opening uh, mini lesson for the day. And here's what you need to do. And I'm thinking, how am I going to take this that is meant for all of these humans that are supposed to be in my classroom and put it over? And I've seen a lot of people right now only use technology to be able to schedule their uh, classroom whole group and small group times. And maybe use things like Seesaw and Google Classroom and maybe then dabble a little bit into forms and slides, but that's about it. So yeah. take it away and share how we maybe could even elevate that and, and make it even more effective. Sure, sure. So I'll give, a, I'll give an example that actually alludes back to what we talked about prior there, the uh, uh, Flipgrid. We've got um, a teacher here in Detroit Lakes who had, had um, he, every year he would give this kind of get to know his students type of activity with it. He would, um, he'd, a piece of paper was handed out, they would fill it out. And then, you know, he would read it privately or something like that. And then he'd get to know the students a little bit better and he could have better conversations with them. Great tool, great, great way to cultivate relationships, all that stuff. Um, this year he did that with Flipgrid. He didn't send out like a Google Doc, this just to kind of, you know, the exact replica of what he was doing. He used video um, software to have kids say and, uh, you know, record a video how they were doing. Uh, you know, they could also, uh, you know, type or just do the audio how they were doing. And he said it was great. He got to hear inflection in the voice. Um, he got to, you know, see body language, all those different things. Um, so that's pretty neat. And, you know, not just for cultivating relationships. It can be if a student needs to read something. Um, you know, uh, something before where maybe they would uh, write an essay and they would turn it in paper and pencil, they could maybe read um, that whatever was written in that essay in some format. Um, so, you know, just little things like that um, can be, uh, you know, real easy ways to dip your, your toes in the water. Um, now, there's a lot of different tools out there that, um, that uh, uh, teachers can use for these, these things. Um, you know, I'll go through a few of them right here and uh, talk about some of their uses um, for this and, and other um, lesson ideas that you may have done in person, but now you're wondering about. Um, so one is called GoFormative. So GoFormative is a website where it's a virtual whiteboard for every, every student gets one, right? So a teacher could say, and this is something that I did back in my uh, geography days, uh, I would put a, a, um, a map of Minnesota. So an image of Minnesota is up there. And we talked about the, you know, the difference between in-state and out-state. You've got the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and then you've got the rest of the state. Okay, so I said, how would you divide Minnesota in two, if you had to divide it in two, because we were also talking politics and stuff like that and dividing into districts and such. Okay, so I could have had a, a map of Minnesota and this is when I was teaching in person. I could have had a map on paper and st students could have written on it. Okay, but I, you know, I'm, I'm good with technology. So right away, I went to this tech tool. I used GoFormative for this. I imported that picture of Minnesota and then I sent it out. And what students saw on their screens was the picture of Minnesota and then their mouse was a marker tool. And they went and they drew on 
the uh, state of Minnesota where they draw. Um, and the coolest part is that on my screen, I was watching all of the students drawing and erasing and drawing again, their thought process, everything. I was watching all of it at the same time in real time on my computer. Um, so that's really cool. I mean, that was the reason why I did instead of paper pencil in person is because I could see everybody. I could make sure one, that they're on task and two, I can see how they're doing. I can assess them. I can have a grade book open right there and boom, assess, assess, assess. And by the time I say, okay, everybody's finished, I will have it in the grade book already quite possibly. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of cool options with it um, and you can have fun with it and you can also do pretty much anything that requires students draw or they can do typing on there too. You should do it with GoFormative. Uh, can I ask, so I uh, come from the elementary world and so thinking about Minnesota in-state and out-state, I know that the fourth grade standards are the regions of the United States. And so, I mean, you could do something like that. I, I just met with the fourth grade team last week and they were talking about how they're going to, um, how they're going to teach one of the regions. And again, where I come from, we are full distance learning right now. So everything is online. So thinking about what that looks like. And then I'm thinking, I mean, maybe that's fourth grade, but maybe even down into your kinders and first grade, maybe you're looking at like, you could have shapes or you could do a pattern um, of some sort and you could have them like identify what the next number would be or what the next shape would be, or they could circle specific shapes. I mean, am, am I kind of sure. getting it? That's what, that's what go formative could do. Yes. yes. Okay. Can I ask um, if students have, uh, like Chromebooks and you're using GoFormative on your end, when you push that out, how does it come out to them as like a link or like what do they need to be able to access that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they would need a, um, a computer. And I believe way back before we had Chromebooks and we had iPads, um, you can do this on iPad too. I believe we had to go through Safari on iPad to do it, but uh, you know, pretty much any device this is going to work on. And um, the way that I did it was through Google Classroom. So you can integrate with Google Classroom, import your class in there. So then stu students would have to sign up for it. Um, so that's awesome, especially getting to the younger grades. Not have to worry about over the internet telling students how directions on how to sign up for stuff. That's no teacher likes doing that. Um, so you can import them in real easy using like Google Classroom. Um, but then you can share the link in Classroom. If you're using Seesaw, you can copy and paste that link and then paste it into Seesaw. Um, you can email the link out um, pretty much any way you could think of for sharing the link. You can do it. Cool. Yeah. So what is it? I see, I'm looking at actually the resource sheet. And so I see Edpuzzle and I think I called it EduPuzzle, but I think it's the same. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same thing where we're talking about a, a video um, and then you can actually like break the video in pieces and embed questions. Oh man, it's so right? awesome. Yeah, yeah. Edpuzzle is the name. Um, there's an, one similar called PlayPosit too. And they're, they're both good. They're both good. I used Edpuzzle and, you know, and this is a tip that I'll just give people. If there's two versions of one thing, just try one. <laughs> don't, don't go, you know, fretting about oh, which one's better to try one out. If you like it, stick with it and forget the other one. <laughs> so um, I stuck with Edpuzzle. And yeah, you can insert questions. You can insert um, notes. Um, both audio notes as well as typed notes in uh, into a video. And the neat part is, is that when it inserts a note or it inserts a question, students cannot skip it. They cannot move forward until they have either listened to or read the note or answered the question. Only then can they move forward. Now, it gives the students a button to rewatch because I can only imagine how this would go. So, you, you know, first minute of the video, students there, they pay, uh, they pay attention for 30 seconds, but then they start, might start to drift and then boom, uh oh, the minute comes up and they see the question on the screen and go, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so they can hit that rewatch button and they go back and rewatch it, but cannot move forward. Um, so that's really, really awesome. You can add as many um, um, uh, questions into these videos as you want. Um, and uh, the neat part about the rewatch thing too, it might not be the student that was asleep at the wheel. It could have been um, the teacher, it could have been kind of a poor question. So what I thought every time that I would see, you can go into um, Edpuzzle and you can view each student and how they interacted with a particular video. You can see how many times they rewatched a section. They divide it up into sections by like 30 seconds or a minute, forgot how it was. I mean, what an incredible tool, great data to have. If Johnny has re had to rewatch this one spot four times, I don't know. I mean, Johnny struggles, but man, four times a lot. Maybe the teacher, maybe it's me. It was a bad question. 
Um, so it helped me improve my assessments too, uh, which was awesome. Uh, but you can see when the student last logged in, you can see how much of the video that they viewed, everything you'd ever want and more. Um, when you're talking about video, Ed puzzles where it's at. Uh, last thing I'll add too is that, you know, you can record your own screen recording um, or a Google Meet that you had or whatever, and you can upload it in there. And then you can insert questions into your own videos too. Um, I had teachers doing that, but I also had teachers that just recorded their voice, voice only. So it was a blank black screen. Um, but then we put questions into, um, you know, the narration essentially is what it was. Um, you can do it that way too. So really flexible, a lot of fun. So now you have my mind going because I'm thinking there are some teachers who maybe they want to, they're working through a chapter book or a read aloud of some sort. And so to record the audio, you could have a picture of the book where students can follow along or see the words and then track that. And then you could embed a question part of the way through that might assess, you know, like a character or can you see my, my wheels oh, are, are I, turning. I'm smiling right now because I'm like, oh my God, yes, yes. You, you know, we use we video, use we video, put the pictures in there and then, you know, put it in Ed Puzzle. It will be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask for Ed Puzzle? Um, does it, is it similar to Google Forms where you can create a, where it grades it or it, it checks to see whether the answer is correct or not, or is, or is that just come to you after and then it's the job of the educator to be able to, to grade so that? It will grade um, um, multiple choice questions. It will grade them for you. Yep. Okay. And then um, now if I uh, remember correctly, it's been since last year, since I went in there, um, you can go in there and then you can give, um, you, you, you can give partial credit uh, for, for something, let's say that maybe the, it, it was automatically graded to give a point. You can give it partial credit instead if you want to adjust things or um, any essay questions or short answer stuff, you have to go in there and, uh, and grade it. Um, but I, I remember that the workflow was, it was pretty quick that you can get through them real fast. That is cool. Okay, so let's look at the next one. I see you have insert learning. Yeah, another Minnesota company. Is it that one? I didn't yeah, know. yeah. Only difference is they're just a little bit behind. Uh, what was it? Flipgrid. Flipgrid got bought by Microsoft. Now they're living in their mansions off in, you know, <laughs> up in Florida, Silicon so Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So now uh, guys that uh, Matt Newpin is a he's an alt ed uh, alternative ed teacher when he uh, created this. Do you know him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. He's actually the person that um, when the idea of creating Learning Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, I, we visited with him and he talked about uh, a company that is an accelerator for entrepreneurs and new um, businesses. And so Matt actually guided us to the G-Beta program, which helped us to really um, start yeah. to get our name out there. So that's he, so cool. He knows what he's talking about. He went to a, an event down in St. Paul and just was uh, for entrepreneurs. And he pretty much just stood up in front of the room. He's like, I wish that you could like just insert a question anywhere on a website. Does anybody else want to help me make this possible, make this software? There's a programmer, you know, three rows back that raised their hand. I'll do it. And then there's somebody else. And oh, cool. then boom, he's got a company. <laughs> so yeah, really neat. And the, the idea and the concept is genius. You're on a website as a teacher. You've got an article that you're reading. And you're like, geez, this would be great uh, to have my kids read this article. So in the past, you used to print it out or whatever. You, you think to yourself, maybe I copy and paste the text, put it in there. Okay, Z don't do any of those things. Just use insert learning. Um, it's an extension that you get for Google Chrome. And what you do is once you, well, you've got that, that, um, that article on your computer screen, you click on the extension up at the top and then on the left side of your screen, boom, a bunch of tools come up there. You can insert questions, little sticky notes. Uh, my favorite part about this is, and I usually put this at the end, is you can embed a discussion area. So now why that's unique, you know, so you got 10 students, 20 students logging in and doing, reading this, this assignment, okay? They're answering their questions as you go. Okay, nobody else can see their questions, what they're answering, and it's all private, right? But you get to the end, in that discussion, in, embedded discussion that's in there, everybody opens it up. Yeah, everybody can talk about the, the assignment at once. Um, or, or it actually could be done asynchronously. Um, just if you've got comments about the assignment, put them in there and others will see it and they can respond. Um, so, I mean, that's really cool. I would do the, the response stuff in class, in person, synchronously, um, because I know that some kids are a little hesitant to raise their hand to say something. So maybe they'd be willing to type in there. And I found that that was true. Um, but now with distance learning, oh my goodness, this is awesome tool um, to get kids to uh, collaborate with each other and talk. Um, so 
absolutely uh, would recommend um, um, insert learning. Now it is, uh, you get your first five for free. And then after that is $40, I believe uh, per license. And you can get it by, you know, your department can buy some or the school uh, district can buy licenses too, but lots of options. It's worth trying out for sure. That is really cool. Um, yeah, it's one of those ahas. Like I'm, I'm no Matt. That's so I know. cool and good when for came him. Up, I was like, well, I've been thinking that forever. You just started, uh, you know, put it. Uh, the, what is it? The, the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you make money off of here. Put it in the action. You, yeah. Um, okay. So and then I'm also looking. So I see we have uh, Flipgrid is also listed, um, and then draggable lessons. Can you talk a little bit more about draggable lessons? Okay, yeah. So I was a high school guy, came from ALC, taught um, 7th through 12th grade before that, um, never taught elementary, okay? And uh, both my parents are elementary teachers, so I guess I, I'm a little surprised I hadn't thought of this ahead of time, but I hadn't really had to experience much where you have students drag things, like on a board, maybe a magnetic board, drag things to the left. Which one's a noun? Which one is a verb? And a bunch of words are on there, okay? Um, and this example can be one of, of many, moving the hands on a clock or something. All these elementary activities that require moving things or dragging things. Mm -hmm. um, and this is tangible stuff, but it, when we were meeting for, uh, per, person person here, it was on the board or it was on, on a table, students could move things. But now when uh, you know distance learning came up, these elementary teachers are coming to me saying, how do I do this? How do I do a draggable lesson? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of freaking out because I have a lot of lessons that have, you know, require some dragging. Uh, so I did a little bit of research. I had an idea right from the start when they said, I'm like, Ooh, okay, Google can solve this because uh, Google solves pretty much anything if you know how to use it. Um, and, and to that, I'll say that when Google products are kind of like a, um, uh, a sandbox. You know, compared to uh, other programs that are already put together, you can do these certain things with it. A lot of times Google, it can do anything, but you have to be the creator from the ground up. And this is one example of it where, um, you know, let's say that you create a, um, you want students to, to, to drag words to the left or to the right. Left is nouns, right is, is going to be verbs, let's say. Um, you put a background in there that's a line, okay? Like a little T-chart and then it'll say, verbs and nouns and everything on it. And then uh, you insert what's called word art into there. And word art is the key here. It is a, um, it's a word that you can click on. And you know how when you click on words that then your cursor comes up, right? And then you can delete and edit the, the, the word, not with word art. You click on it, all you can do is move it. Um, so that was the big breakthrough uh, for me. We use Google Slides um, to, to create this activity. We created a background first in Google drawings though. Uh, otherwise um, the kids were moving the T-chart because <laughs> the T-chart was on the slide too. No, 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 you got to put a background in there, create it with Google drawings, import it into the slide and then add the word art, 20 words, whatever on the slide. And then, uh, you know, have kids go at it. So, okay. So now I'm really curious about that because I, I've been doing something similar, um, but I didn't even think to do word art. So what I hear you saying um, is when using Google Slides, you insert an image, whether it be in Google Drawings or like for me, I did just a screen or a, yeah, like a screenshot or a clip shot yep. and I'll put it on. Um, and then what I've been doing though was inserting text boxes and then putting the word there. Yep. But when a, when a student or somebody who has editing rights to it can click on that, they could change the word or they could expand yeah. that box and make it huge you know it's or whatever messy. that might be so so inserting word art it's like magic yeah it's so cool huh okay <laughs> so then <laughs> no my next question though is say i have 17 kids and i create this t-chart um and uh, in a slide and I want them to be able to, to, to drag and organize these things. I mean, I'm thinking even for science, you can classify and categorize second grade properties of matter. So we can, you know, say, do Venn diagrams and whatnot. Um, but how do, you, how do you make it so that every kid can click and drag and it's not all on that one slide? Like I don't see student A dragging one word and student B was supposed to grab that word and but yeah that, that would never happen right, <laughs> right. <laughs> there are two ways to do this with Google that are, that are really really awesome and easy um, one you can make so go like this you got 17 kids in class well create a slide like the one we're talking about and then copy and paste that slide 17 times 
And if you want to put a, the kid's name at the top, each kid could have their own slide. Now that might not work though, because maybe Johnny's going to look at what Bobby did and he can cheat off what Bobby did now because you can see everything. Right. Um, the other way to go about doing this would be just uh, create that slideshow and have it ready to go. And then if you send it out in Google Classroom, I know Schoology does this too, you can make a copy of that assignment and it will send out an individual copy to each student where then they can go ahead and do it. Cool. Um, if you have them all on the same slideshow for assessment reasons, it's so easy. You just go from slide to slide, boom, check, check. I'm assessing them all as we go. Um, but yeah, that whole, you know, they can see each other's work there. So um, it's up to you how you'd want to share it. Yeah. Well, my wheels are turning as well because I'm thinking I love the idea of having all of the slides in one location so that I can see them um, as they're moving. And maybe instead of making, copying and pasting it 17 times over, you do the template and then maybe you tweak the whatever the learning objective might be yeah. so it's up to them to choose you know how they're going to organize or classify whatever it might be sure. so yeah very you cool do, you know for just a single assignment have like five slides each with a different activity or a different assessment question on it and send them out cop make a copy to each kid you could do it that way too multiple ones and yeah. um you know this, this this brings up one more thing that i thought i'd add you know to do with slideshows uh, one cool thing you can do you, to collaborate with slideshows um, is, so you send out the same slideshow to all kids. So let's say you've got um, 15 kids in your class, you send it out to all of them, they all have editing rights, okay? Um, you could have an instruction slide at the top that says, now let's really, we'll simplify this and then you can use your imagination to kind of go. Um, you know, um, put your name, instructions on the first slide says, put your name on your slide and insert an image of your favorite animal and then put the name of that animal too. So, okay, my slide would have Brady, it'd have a bear on there and the word bear would be on there, okay? So now um, I get to kind of, you know, in this activity, it's a simple example, but you know, I get to see how everybody, what their animal they like, okay? So then I wait for students to do it and then I'd say, okay, you thought that was really easy. Well, let's put the slides in order by, or in alphabetical order by the name of the animal. So now you get kids to collaborate. Oh man, that's fun to watch the chaos happen because you got two kids grabbing the same slide and moving the kids are talking, no, do this, do that. And then in the end though, what you'll end up finding out is there's gonna be a leader that emerges in the slide or in the, yeah. in the class, which is cool to find out. Um, and then you, they're gonna get it, you know? And the less help you can give them, the better yes. <laughs> with this too. And just think any kind of activity, if you wanna do something in chronological order, Okay, uh, events in history, okay? You know, everybody is in charge of one slide, uh, the, uh, a report about an event in history and then put them in chronological order. Um, it use, it's a good way to use technology to get kids to talk to each other more, which it's not an oxymoron, it's possible. Yeah. Get them to talk to each other more using technology. Right, it's sneaking it in there. <laughs> they don't even know what's happening to them. That, that's a great idea. I love that idea of being able to, because I'm thinking too, just I'm I'm um, facilitating a professional development group, core group of people where we're working through a book study. And one of the activities first is to get to know each other because we have a lot of new staff or people, we just haven't been able to really connect because we haven't seen each other since last March. And yeah. so I had everybody assign themselves or choose a slide. Um, they took a personality quiz to get their four letters. And so they indicate that and now they're going to... Um, create and design their slide to show like their values and where they come from and that sort of a thing. But for kids, you could do something very similar to that where you can say, you know, like you said, your name, your favorite animal, whatever it might be, but then use that. It sounds like at first it's just to get to know students and let them get to know each other, but yep. then you can take what has been created and use that to create that further learning opportunity by getting kids to collaborate or maybe yep. even to grapple. And that beautiful struggle that you yes. observe by just being hands off and letting them, you know, kind of like, like struggle through it is awesome. It's gonna be hard to keep your mouth shut as teacher when they're struggling. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing though. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So I think this is actually a, another perfect opportunity for those of you who are listening and or watching to take a moment to pause, process, and reflect and think about really what you can take from what you would traditionally use in a teacher's manual or in a curriculum that you have sitting on your shelf and how you can modify the outcome, the essential question, whatever it is, the objective, you can modify the approach to it by utilizing a tech tool that we just shared in this segment um, and then further allowing kids to be able to navigate and become more engaged in their learning. When we come back, we're gonna close it up with some of the final thoughts um, and talk about really 
um, what are some key maybe pieces of or technology that uh, we could have that really do a lot of the great tricks um, for being able to get connected with the distance learning with our students. That was a mouthful. <laughs> you got through it. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh my gosh, you have so many things listed. So really, yeah, but we are coming down. Okay, I was gonna say we're coming into we started at 1105. So we are currently at 50 minutes, we can go for longer, whatever. But um, sure. what I, I'm just gonna look here real quick. The last part, the solid strategies and tools that'd be more, I'd say more important than the, the, the showing students give them a choice. I mean, it's a simple yep. concept that I can show it's kind of could apply to other platforms, but it really applies to Google Classroom. So it's kind of specific. Sure. You can skip that one if you want. And <clears throat> Um, what I think I might do though, is I'm going to, when I come, when I open, I am going to ask that I'm going to actually ask if you have any other tools or things that you'd like to share. So I'm going to let you pick. And then I'm going to ask that question about taking all of these amazing tools. And of course, all of the ones that aren't listed and that we didn't talk about and how, like what to think about as you are, um, attempting to figure out your, the tool that will best serve the, the job or the purpose. Yep. And then I'll close it out. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. One second. Okie dokie. Ready to go? Yep. I'm ready. Welcome back to Learning Minnesota, our conversation with Brady Baxter um, on technology tools to utilize during distance learning. In the first segment, we talked about tech tools to use to build relationships with students. And we also added a lot of other fabulous ideas. And in the second section, we talked about how to take ideas from what you would traditionally use in in-person learning in your curriculum and to utilize tech tools uh, for effective uh, teaching practices for distance learning for students. So as we come back now here for segment three, really, I'm just going to start off by saying, Brady, what are some tools or things that you really, maybe we didn't quite hit, but that you think teachers should know about? All right. So you, we're going to dive into my goodie box here. I got some really neat awesome. ones. And the cool thing about these tools too, is that um, you can use them right now. Um, you know, once the if people are done listening to this podcast or watching it, they can, uh, they can use these right away. Um, so we use, we're, we're a Google school district. So we, we use uh, Google Chrome. Um, and uh, even if you're not a Google school district, you can still use Chrome. So um, these next two ideas um, can be used by you. Uh, and the first one will be called, it's, it's the page marker extension for Google Chrome. So it, if you just type in, uh, so you're searching, searching Google um, in Google Chrome, type page marker extension, the words, and it's going to come up. It's um, the, the icon is a red pen or a red little pencil thing. And it's, it's so simple and so powerful. What you can do is write on any web page. Okay, so we could go off and talk about a million applications for this, but here's the easiest way for me. Here's how I was selling it to the teachers at my school district. Um, so teacher is uh, in person to person a year ago when they're teaching person to person, they may go up to the, um, the whiteboard as they're talking, doing a presentation and they might point to something on the whiteboard or they might just, um, uh, point, or I'm sorry, uh, point to something on the projector board, I should say, sorry. Or they maybe will want to point, uh, point to the marker board off to the left of their projector. And this happened all the time. As teachers, we can think of a million times that we've, we've done that. Okay, so how do you draw attention to your screen though? You can't, I mean, I just imagine teachers pointing at their screen here and the students can't see the, the teacher pointing and the teacher's like, can't you see it? And okay, no, they can't. But with page marker, they can uh, you click on the red pen and then you can draw. If you've got a, uh, a, a Google slideshow going on, you can draw on that. If you've got a Google doc up there, you can draw on that. If you want to quickly put four plus four equals eight, you could draw that too. Um, and then you can easily clear it and close out of it and, and it goes away. So it's for those quick moments where you want to draw attention somewhere on your computer screen that you're presenting. Um, it's, a, it's a game changer. It's really, really awesome. That so, is really cool. I'm yeah. so I, I'm I have a question about that one. Yeah. Um, so when you are screen sharing, 
is what you're saying. So it's not something where like for right now, you and I are, are seeing each other um, and our videos of each other. And so we, I wouldn't be able to use page marker right now and have you see it. But if I were to screen share where all of the students are seeing um, my screen, but I need to add notation things like that to it, that's what it yep. does. Okay. Yeah. It can draw attention to anywhere on the screen. And it's just like you're using a marker to circle something in real life, you know, it's kind of way. Yep. But the cool part is it's not, you, you know, use that uh, non-erasable marker and go, oh crap, you can clear this and erase it just like that. So it's uh, more than just a pointer, a laser pointer or something. It, you can really add more to it and be able to write on the side or whatever it might be. Yes, yes. Okay. And if cool. you're a teacher that is, so our teachers got um, uh, touchscreen Chromebooks this year. We were fortunate enough to get those. Oh my goodness, when you have a touchscreen, this is even better because now you're using your finger to, to do the drawing on there. I yeah. mean, it's very authentic, uh, authentic feel to it. If you're the type of person that likes drawing and real life tangible things, man, using your finger to draw on the screen feels pretty real. So um, cool. that's another option too. Um, so now the next one I'll bring up is kind of somewhat related, uh, yet it's, it's, it can be used differently. And uh, it's called Jamboard uh, and it's a Google product and it's a virtual whiteboard is what it is. Yep. Okay, so, so what type of thing, right? Well, oh, it's big, it's a big deal here. You can, it's a virtual whiteboard that you can share with students. Okay, and everybody can draw on the same whiteboard. So imagine you are in a, um, a Google Meet or something doing it live. And if you are using Google Meet, you can just within the meet, you can now open a Jamboard and then um, it, uh, the students will see it on your shared screen, but they're also gonna get a link sent to them in the chat in Google Meet. They can click on it and now they're in the same one too. Um, so, you know, anytime you want students to draw something or to show their work when it comes to something, you could flip, uh, do a Jamboard, send it out and the students could um, each uh, do that writing or, you know, showing their work on their own slide. You can create as many slides as you want, like a slideshow. Um, and it's so cool. And then as a teacher, you can go in and assess super fast too. You just click through the slides and take a look um, at what they're doing. Um, I'm going to yeah, plug yeah. in too, because I'm using Jamboard in so many different ways right oh, wow. now. Um, so you, they can put sticky notes and then they can put text, they can put images. Um, and then there's also the marker and the eraser yeah. on a professional development side, or really by working with colleagues. One of the things at our school that we're really struggling with again, is that connection between um, teachers. And so we used to have in the building, well, it's still there, but it's not being used, is a shout out board in the copy room where we would just take little notes and say, hey, shout out to this person for being so pleasant to work with, or shout out to this person who stepped up to the plate and helped when, you know, they were needed sort of a thing. So we're actually, that's our shout out board now. It's a jam board where all of the educators, all of the staff, I should say, really um, can add like shout outs to one another. And we did it for the first week of November. And I think there were maybe 27, 28, like sticky notes going all over. And then the second week it started to get more full and the third week. And so we were running out of room, but I love that there, you could just keep making pages, pages after pages. Yeah. So it's, it's like endless. It's a, I love that tool. I'm glad yeah, you, you, don't, don't, you don't have to copy and paste or anything. You just hit the next button and boom, it automatically knows what you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so darn cool. Um, you know, you can do those draggable activities I was mentioning too using Jamboard because you can put sticky notes in there and they're pretty good, pretty easy to move those sticky notes around without actually clicking within there and editing the, the you know, the typing. Um, so I've told some teachers they can try that too, another option. Very, very versatile though, for sure. Yeah, it is a great tool. Did you have any more or were those the two like big ones that you wanted to those share? Those were so big. Those were the <laughs> biggest, most awesome ones. Um, you know, there's one more thing that I'll mention. This is more of a strategy here. So um, I know a lot of teachers, um, uh, you know, they want to see their kids' faces, um, but they also would like, you know, they, they need to have their uh, Google Slides presentation, let's say, up on their screen too, okay? And then they need to make sure to pr present that out to students, okay? That's like, three things that kind of are um, opposing to each other. What's mm -hmm. the word? They, you know, they do, it's not easy to do those things one at a time. To do all at the same time, that can be really hard. Um, and so this morning, actually, I was looking at what's the way that we can fix this problem? Um, and here's what I came up with. If you're in a Google Slide, there's a little Google Slides hack for you. Um, if you're in Google Slides and you click on the button present, okay, pause, don't click on the present button. Right next to it, to the right, there's a down arrow. And you can click on that and then choose presenter view. Now, why is that a big deal? 
Okay, let's say you only got one screen that you want to work with. Okay, instead of having multiple computers open when you're doing a class. If you have just one screen, what you can do is share in Google Meets, share that, uh, the presentation screen, you share that tab, share just the, the tab, not, um, you know, your whole screen. Okay, because that's then going to show no matter what you do on your computer, it's always going to show that presentation. Okay, um, and then the neat part about doing it in this way, too, is that it, instead of going full screen present, because um, you do full uh, screen present, you cannot um, really quickly uh, uh, click on your students, your Google Meet tab to see your students' faces. Um, you cannot use page marker to draw on your, your presentation. So it kind of takes a lot of power away. So doing this presenter view, what it does, it'll, it'll open your Google Slides, not in a tiny window, but in a pretty big window, but it's not full screen. Okay, so you could have that um, uh, up and you could write on it and, and students can see it. And you can also easily click back to the tab and see their faces. Yeah, that was a hard one probably to understand if you're just listening to this, oh, yeah. but it's really neat. Rewind it and, and, and get on your computer and listen to it again. And what I just told you, um, it's a big one. That's, that is something that I notice, And unfortunately, it sounds like it's just for Google Meets and not Zoom. But that's something that I, I know a lot of teachers are struggling with is how to be able to still see that grid view or even the majority of their students' um, faces, their, their uh, videos, and then still share and, and do all of those other things that they're trying to do. So I know some people get dual screens and some people join yeah. from two different devices, you know, whatever it might be. So if you're using Google uh, and you have Google Classroom, that sounds, or I shouldn't say, it's not even Google Classroom, right? It's just- Nope, just Google. Google. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised, I can't say for sure, but um, I could have swore in Zoom when, you know, you share your screen, it gives you an option to share maybe a window or something. It might be able to do something similar, but the whole, uh, the Google Meet thing where you can share a specific tab in Google Chrome is where it's at. Because then what you do is you put your slideshow in the background for the whole class period. Because one thing I didn't add is that another window comes up and it actually shows your slideshow um, and some controls on it over to the side. And then you've got your kids' faces in front of you. And then they can see the Google Meet this whole time or the, the slideshow this whole time yeah. too. It's, you got to try Brilliant. it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Okay. So now you've shared a ton of amazing resources, most of which I um, have heard of or am familiar with. And like I said, there's several of them that I adore and love and, and would advocate that everybody try. Um, so one of the biggest pieces that I know I hear from educators is there's so much, like it, it can become very overwhelming with all of the tools and they're constantly being made kind of like you said with Google specifically all of the add-ons, they can be created, um, you know, within a couple of days, if somebody says, I'd really like to see this and suddenly it's there. So uh, from an educator standpoint, what would you advise for deciding what tool to use and, and when to use it? Because I know sometimes maybe too much is, is very cumbersome and for kids too, maybe it's just like, we just wanna keep things simple, especially right now with a, such a chaotic world. So what, what advice would you give to teachers when they're thinking about how to best utilize technology? All right, so I got some good advice on this one. Um, you know, remember this too, that it's, 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 an, it's an industry. So they're gonna, uh, you know, they, they're doing business. They wanna make you think like you need the tool. Um, so, you know, you always gotta think back to, so what's, my, what's that issue here? What issue am I having where, you know, I'm, I need to solve a problem. What's my biggest problem in my classroom right now? Um, and what is the tool that can solve that problem? Okay, so for example, I can't see kids um, I, can't, I, I can't do the individual get to know you assignment at the beginning of the year. I don't know what to do with that. Okay, well, Flipgrid could, could uh, answer that question and fix that problem for you. Now, um, I would argue that's the way you should think about things before you, instead of going, oh, I heard about Flipgrid. Now let's, let's find a way to use this. Um, I, I would advocate the other way around um, is to kind of figure out what's my problem and then start looking at these tools. Um, and then, uh, you know, after that, just try one, try one tool and try it in one class period, one day, just try it. Sure. Okay. And if it goes, if it's a nightmare, remember that, okay, maybe you can still try it one more day, but if it's two, two nightmares in a row, don't use that tool, <laughs> but um, try it out on a small scale. And if it's awesome, if it works, then expand, use it in more classes, um, use it more often, things like that. 
Um, but then at, once you've got that, when you're comfortable with it, then you look into another tool that maybe you've been eyeing for a particular reason. Um, but one or two at a time. I mean, when it comes down to it, I shared all these tools with you right here. But in, let's say, in a history classroom, I may only use half these tools um, in a given year. So don't think that, you know, people like me that are touting all this, this great stuff that we're using every single one of these every day and we do it perfectly. <laughs> Not true. Okay. Or we're using the ones that, um, that when we need it, we'll use it type of thing. Um, so yeah, that'd be my kind of my overall mantra, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that you, how you said, instead of thinking, oh, Flipgrid is cool. Like, how can I use it? It's what is my problem or what is my goal? What is my objective? And then looking for the tool that best fits that rather than the other way around. That was, yeah. um, for me, that was like the, the takeaway aha piece. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, so I have to say for those of you who are listening and or watching, if you are curious about reaching out or connecting with Brady, um, or if you have some questions, would like some help with troubleshooting anything, Brady, what is one way that they can get a hold of you or what are some pieces that they can reach out or connect or learn more from you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, our, my my email address, I believe, is going to be showing up somewhere for them that they can email me and contact me that way. Yep. So um, you, you can always do that. Go ahead. I, I've always liked to hear new new uh, questions from teachers and stuff. I actually learn and get better at my job through those things. So, uh, yeah, get a hold of me that way. Um, otherwise, though, um, you know, I used to have a, a, a website called the Classroom Technology Blog. It technically still exists, but I'm not adding to that much anymore. Instead, what I've been doing is... Um, sending people to my YouTube account. So what I've been doing um, like crazy is recording YouTube how-to videos. You know, how to do this, how to do that. Every single thing that we talked about today, I have created a video for it. And you can go to my uh, YouTube account and you can view that video. Um, it's youtube.com slash classroom technology blog, super long name. So we will link that too. I imagine yes. that'd be okay. We'll link that as well. Um, so those two resources is going to be number one, number two. And then, you know, number three is to develop that Google mindset and to be able to do these things yourself, to be able to, um, you know, encounter a problem and have the confidence that you can Google this and look this problem up and you'll probably find a solution. Um, once you can gain that confidence right there, well, you don't need me then. Because <laughs> as much as anybody will tell you, I use my past knowledge and my degrees and the such, but a lot of times I'm just Googling things when I get asked. Um, and yeah. if you're able to do that, it really helps. I love that you say that. I have experience with instructional coaching and I always said my job is to try to work myself out of my job and it's really to empower other people to become that those natural inquirers and those natural seekers of, of knowledge. Um, and so using Google is definitely, and I mean, I'm going to plug also Twitter is amazing yep. to build your personal, your learning network there as well. Um, but I will add that for those of you listening and or watching on the resource sheet, we will have both um, Brady's email and then the link to the YouTube, his YouTube channel as well. So you'll be able to access those videos. All right. Well, thanks again, Brady, for taking the time to share all of your fantastic knowledge with us. We really appreciate that. And yeah, thanks. Yes, thanks to the rest of you for joining our Learning Minnesota discussion with Brady Baxter on the topic of distance learning technology tools and strategies for teachers. Don't forget to visit our site, www.learningminnesota.com for additional resources on this particular topic and more videos in our resource library. Mm -hmm.